This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 501 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and TotalSaddleFit.com. On tonight's USDF episode, Patty Mayer is going to help Reese and I recap the most recent USDF FEI Trainers Conference. After that, Nicole Harrington will join us to talk about the challenges of training PRE horses. And for our trainer tip, we will continue talking about the training pyramid. Scoffler Stanfield from Wellington, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi there, Phil. How are you tonight? Hi, Reese. I'm actually doing really well. The cold weather is finally broken, and I've got to do some serious riding today. I know. Yeah, your horses have really had a little bit of time off, which is a, a break. good thing. Not a, yeah, it's not it's a terrible thing, right? But no. they are a little spirited when you go to get back <laughs> on them. <laughs> a little bit of lunging, yeah, a little bit of, yeah. of safe riding today, not too much actual drilling exercises or anything like that. <laughs> We're just like, just a, a kind of a hang-on day. A hang-on day. <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing is, I typically give my horses a little break in July, <laughs> and right. it is way hotter. So it's significantly yeah, they, they, easier. They don't get, they don't get too <laughs> pent up and excited. They can still, no. you can still do your turnout and all of that. Well. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a challenge to do turnout in in icy, super super cold sure. weather and sure. stuff like that. So they get really kind of extra jazzy. I, I don't know, <laughs> more expression in their gates, all that great stuff that yes, we talk about. Yes, we can really put icing on the cake, or we can just say they're a bit crazy and pent up. And so I, I think everyone up north is is feeling your pain. So we will continue to. Fingers crossed that it stays warm so that you guys, you know, live, to, live for another day for sure. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, things have been full steam ahead. It is actually five-star week here in Wellington. Uh, so lots of fun things going on and people in town and events. And uh, it's, it's a really fun fun week. So it's fun to, fun to be here. And I hope to scoot off to see the five-star Grand Prix. That's on Thursday. And also, the Isabel Vert Symposium is Thursday evening. So we're actually recording a little early this week because we'll, we'll be at that event. So we will definitely recap it for sure. Fantastic. Sounds exciting. Sounds like I got to take a, a quick trip down to Florida this week. Well, you, you know, Phil, you always have a place to stay. We, Travis and I have, a, have an extra room, so we, we love it, and we love when you come to visit. So anytime. But we have a great show today to get it started. Patty Mayer is going to come on right after this commercial break and talk to us about the USDF Trainers Conference that happened last weekend. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, today I am so excited to have my dear friend and also FEI high-performance rider Patty Mayer on the line. Patty, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back. Well, we are so excited, and you were here last week, which was such a fun time for me. Uh, you joined uh, us for the US EF and USDF Trainers Conference at Marianne McPhail's beautiful Hyde and Meadow Farm, uh, and there were quite a few FEI trainers that were in town. So uh, you're here to kind of recap the whole experience, and uh, I think it was overall a quite good one for us. And we had the four trainers for the USEF that were here. So, Patty, I'll kind of let you take it away. Okay. So, first of all, it was lovely, lovely. I flew to Florida just to go to this conference because, you know, I, happily because I live in California, I'm privileged to ride with Christine Troward quite regularly and with Charlotte Bradal on occasion, and Charlotte's a good friend. So it was fun to see people I know quite well. I've clinicked with George before, so I know him more of, a, you know, a bit and had always found him to be an extraordinary instructor. And of course, Debbie is spectacular. So I really wanted to see our four team 
essentially our four team coaches teach together, interact together, and show us how it's done at a very, very elite level. So to me, that was worth lots of hours on airplanes and much lack of sleep. <laughs> so, and of course, it was super fun to sit next to you. Yeah, I know. So we had there a great you time. go. Yeah, we did. So I, I guess, I guess that we should start where they started, which was yeah, they, they, and young they had. Yeah, which is young riders. So they start, they did an interesting format, which I kind of like, which is they started with young riders, and George spoke in a super interesting way about the difference between training a young rider and training a horse as as an instructor. Because remember, this is an instructor's conference. And what he was saying was, you really need to teach a rider, you know, yes, seat, but also feel. And I just thought he gave some incredible exercises for that, and also some a really good explanation of how you can teach people to listen to their own seat and bodies and listen to the horse's body. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you know, we you and I were talking a little bit before before the show, and one of the exercises that I think both you and I thought was just phenomenal is so simple, which yeah. was get into a twenty meter circle. There are four points of the circle, right? side, side, over center line, over center line. So you can sort of think of a circle as, you know, a square, but not really. And, but you need to hit those points in order to keep your circle 20 meters. What he was doing, and I do that all the time. And, you know, when, as an instructor, I will, you know, put out cones. I'll make sure people yeah. ride through them. Yeah. He did this thing, which I, and obviously he had a very good young rider to work yes. with. But yes. He, or junior or whatever she is. Mm-hmm. A junior, I think she's hadn't, I mean, I think she was just turning 15. Yes, and on young. a beautiful horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he had her, and I think it was genius. He had her count the strides on the quarters of the circle. Mm-hmm. So if you were doing a square, right, you would you cross the center line, count whatever it was, five strides, six strides, and then you hit the rail. And then with luck, you're doing the same five or six strides. And you're doing the same five or six strides. The concept being a few things. One is, well, gosh, you should be riding the same rhythm all the way around. And a good way to check that is to make sure that you're getting the same strides on each quarter, on each fourth of that circle, but also to have the rider feel the rhythm of the trot by counting. And I just, yeah, I remember doing that as a hunt seat rider, right? You know, as you would, as you would come towards the fence, as you round the corner, your instructor would say, you know, I need you to start counting out loud when you're five strides away. I need to start counting out loud when you're seven strides away, when you're six strides away, when you're two strides away. I have forgotten to do that as a dressage instructor. And that's silly of me. me and too. George just reminded me that it's, it's huge. It's important. It's easy. It's not rocket science. No one has to be some great rider to accomplish that, but it will sure make them a better rider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I love right. that. Super simple, super, you know, again, this was a, this was a seminar to instruct instructors. And I just thought that was such a good take home exercise that you can do a, you know, I'm a rider. Like I need to do that myself to make sure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, I'm no, not hurrying on one side and, you know, and having too short a stride on another. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, I don't teach lots of kids. Sadly, I, I mean, I teach a couple of young adults. I mainly, ha- you know, I mainly teach young professionals. Uh, and so I tend, but again, that's silly. Why am I not teaching somebody that when, you know, yes, yeah, so they're riding a Grand Prix horse. Who cares? Like, you need to know how to do stuff like that. Yeah. No, you do. And I and, thought that that was so good. And, and with this young rider, you know, it took her a couple times to sort of get in the groove of, of counting the strides. But once she mm-hmm. did, you could see how her body adjusted, how, you know, the tempo adjusted. So many good mm-hmm. things happened as she was more in rhythm, which obviously yeah. we know that rhythm is that base of the scale of training. So I thought that that was fantastic with her. And another thing was this horse that this rider was riding was incredibly uh, uh, appropriate, but he had yeah. some issues in the walk. And they kind of talked about that, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. 
they they talked I mean, about you know okay he had some rhythm issues in the walk but he was so good at everything else <laughs> changes right, right. lateral work and that he was was teaching her these things that okay he had a little issue in the walk but for what this horse was doing for this young lady you could look oh, past yeah. that which i thought oh, was yeah. actually a good thing yeah super soft lovely in the contact the young woman whose name is yes whose her name is tori was a lovely rider with, you know, and, you know, darn her young, tall and slender. So I hate her immediately, even though she's 15. So I probably shouldn't, (laughs) but just, you know, lovely soft picture. And she's going to learn to be a lovely, soft, correct rider because of this horse. Here's one other thing that they did. We'll talk about some other exercise in a second, but one thing that I thought was interesting as we're talking about the walk is that they had on the second day, they did you know, a bunch of walk canter transitions to try to really kind of make those prompt and correct. And at one point, the horse got just like this tiny bit frustrated. I mean, not a bad boy at all. And she's a lovely rider. And the second that happened, George was like, and we're done. And we're done. The horse is getting a little frustrated. No reason to, you know, there's no reason to drill a horse on something that he's feeling starting to get a little emotional about. Move on to the next thing. It's totally fine. I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ride a squillion young horses, even though I'm an an old chick. I do not let them get frustrated. The second I start feeling like, oh, you know what? I overfaced them a little bit. And I'll even do this with my Grand Prix horses. Oh, you know what? That's, I've just got, you know, I've got a bridge too far here. I'm heading towards a bridge too far. Mm -hmm. You back off. The concept is we're making happy athletes, right? That we're not torturing them. Right. So like, I loved that. I mean, I just think George is great. I think he's a great horseman. And I just thought he had that, absolute timing to go okay this is you know we've gotten yes. a little emotional you know he's got the horse has gotten a little emotional him the rider's not doing anything wrong we'll do it again tomorrow we'll leave it to the next time it's something to think about for the future move on i love that so i think the other thing we were talking about was his he gave some really good thoughts and instructions about where your body is what you as a rider feel when the horse's hind leg is on the ground. And again, I remember learning this stuff when I was sat on a lunge line as a kid. And even having gone through the instructor certification process and learning how to lunge riders on horses, we dealt with it more and I tend to deal with it more as a seat issue. You know, are you sitting up straight? Are you balanced? Blah, blah, blah. And less as a think about the timing of your AIDS issue. Uh Uh And I just thought he gave really good instruction about, you know, as you're feeling your knee goes down, that's when you're going to ask at the trot. As you feel like your hip comes forward, that's when you're going to ask at the canter. And I hope I'm not getting this wrong because I have to sit on a horse and remember if that's Yes, I think that's mm-hmm. right. No, no, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And again, that's something that, you know, I've been, when well, I'm going to be 60 this year, I've been riding seriously under instruction for 51 years. Like, that's part of my body, I hope, and part of my intuition mm-hmm. by now. Mm-hmm. I, it was awesome to hear it articulated. It was awesome because. You know, people say it's so hard to teach feel. He was teaching feel. He was, yeah. I loved it. I loved the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. And and I thought, you know, both days, I thought he did just, I mean, as he said, he's a lovely man. He's articulated, yep. good horseman, all of those things. And great with young riders. Yeah. And he's the young rider coach, yeah. right? I mean, that's his job. Yeah. That's what he's doing. And and so he did really did give us a good feel of sort of how he teaches young riders and how he is going to move them up and sort of into the developing ranks, which would be with Charlotte Bredal. But they ended up having, actually, they did the young riders and the young horses in the morning. So we kind of moved to Christine Traurig with the young horses. Right. So And and. And I'm just going to interrupt you just for a minute. The other thing, George, is he worked with this 15-year-old first and then with a, so with a junior first and then a young rider. And he did quite different things. Yes. Again, because of this process. Sorry, go on. I'm stopping interrupting. No, no, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. So he showed the young riders, which was great. And so then we sort of moved into the young horses. So talk to us a little bit about Christine and what, what we saw with the, the two horses Christine had. Well, you know, I, I've been... 
I mean, Christine's been a friend of mine for, I don't know, since 1990. I don't even want to know. And, and I've been riding with her in clinics pretty regularly, like once a month since, I don't know, 2004 maybe. So for quite some time. So this is stuff that I hear, you know, shouted at me. Um, <laughs> Which is all good. You know, just saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with encouragement. Yes, exactly. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes well, derision, but whatever. Christine, you know. like, Christine's hard. I mean, she's not an easy instructor, but she is quick to reward the horses, and she always yes. says good job. And so yes, she's quick to reward the riders, too. Quick to reward and, the riders, too, which was cool. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. She's, and she's funny. I mean, I keep thinking I should send her to Vegas. Like she is <laughs> the comedy stylings of Christine Trowick. She says the funniest things that make you remember stuff. She did it less at this because I think, you know, it's a more of a public forum, but she is a funny woman. And I mean, in a really smart, good way. Mm. Anyway. So what, obviously she had beautiful, beautiful horses to work with uh, and, you know, and great riders. So, but one of the things that she does that she, you know, clearly cares deeply about is she is all about correct. Everything needs to be from the hind leg over the back into the bit. And she is insistent that each part of your body as a rider, and I think she articulates, I mean, she's going to articulate, she articulates as well, way better than I am about to. Each part of your body as a rider has a use. So there is a function to your outside leg. There's a function to your inside leg. There's a function to your left brain. There's a function to your right brain. There's a function to each seat bone. And she wants to make sure that whether that function is, you know, making sure that the hind leg doesn't fall out in a shoulder in or whether, or in a circle or whatever, that the function is being maintained. And I love that. As you know, because she teaches our great young horse riders Mm -hmm. to ride our great young horses, and that is, you know, the future of our sport, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Unless, unless we all have squillions of dollars and want to go, you know, Mm -hmm. off and buy, you know, Grand Prix horse from Europe. I mean, like that. That, and not only does that not happen for most people, in fact, if you look at if you look at it statistically, almost everyone on our team, almost always has trained her own horse up. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what Christine is there to do, to teach people to train their horses correctly, classically, kindly, gently up the levels. Yeah. And I think she's extraordinary at that. She also, you know, sits on a horse like it's, you know, you, we didn't get to see her ride, but she has this kind of crazy good seat. There's a crazy good rider with those mm-hmm. long, you know, long legs and, short upper body and just kind of perfect position. But so I, so, you know, she kind of wraps herself around horses, even for those of us who are less physically privileged, I would say about myself, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, six, seven inches shorter with short, shorter squattier legs and thicker thighs. <laughs> you know, she can teach you to do that. Mm-hmm. And at least she sure gives it a shot to teaching me to do it. So, I mean, I just find her extraordinary. Um, it was also, you know, obviously as instructors, we don't have the privilege of instructing some of the great riders in the country who are also some of the great riders in the world. And I would say Michael Bragdell is, you know, mm-hmm. among those. Michael Bragdell is, you know, an amazingly good rider physically. I mean, I've only seen him ride once before because I'm a West Coaster. But, you know, he's tall, he's slender. His joints look like they are, you know, have jello in them or something. I mean, he just moves with the horse in this lovely way. And he seems like a super soft rider from the couple of times I've seen him. And of course he is riding extraordinary horses. So as an instructor, us normal human beings don't get to teach someone of that caliber on horses of that caliber. And yet what I thought Christine did super well was analogize it to the more I'm especially the more normal. That's not to say an unsound horse or a horse, you know, who's a little choppy horse, but a normal everyday dressage horse and how you make those horses better and softer and more connected and how dressage makes them beautiful. 
even though what she's, you know, her example to do that was a horse and rider that, you know, I could never dream to be and that most of us will never dream to teach. And, and um, Michael is so experienced, right? That's also a yeah. huge thing. Like he's incredibly experienced training these horses, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool because, you know, he can also do what she's saying. He can show us kind of how it's done, which is really cool. And, and, but I also felt like Christine is literally the German training manual in a human form, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, she just, she mm-hmm. just is able to do that, uh, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so that was, that was pretty cool. So, yeah. so if you ever get her a mentor to see- is her mentor is Jo Hinneman and she rode with him for years at his facility and she brings that with her as well as, you know, growing up in the German system. So Patty, after lunch, we came back and we started to sort of work with the developing horses with Charlotte Bredal. Can you tell us a little bit about her system and and what she was doing during her time? Well, Charlotte is, you know, one of the loveliest human beings on the planet and is a super interesting rider and trainer. As she said to us at the, at the kind of evening thing, she started in Denmark training horses, training trotting horses, like standard. I think it sounded like standard race, driving horses, like race driving horses. So she is, she has a kind of interesting view, which is a little less German system trained, but super horsemanlike and again, super gentle and kind. Um, you know, one of, she has amazing ways of teaching pirouettes and did some of that. Um, you know, she's, she's really good at kind of analyzing whether a horse is falling out or falling in. She's, she'll do things like, you know, a shoulder in a shoulder four, she'll move them into a little bit of a little bit of a haunches in. She's going to make sure that the horse is carrying and bending and turning. And she has a squillion ways of addressing that of which she certainly did some at this, you know, and she, and she does that nice thing that I love when a trainer does, which she, she does come into the arena with you mm-hmm. and she will, and she did this uh, and she'll have somebody do a canter pirouette essentially around her big toe, which is, I absolutely do that with my students when I know the horses super well. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would do that at a public clinic with a horse. Cause you never know. Yeah. But she has, but by doing that, by standing right there, she can address where the rider is sitting. She can address the hind leg. She can address things super quickly and super quietly to the rider. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was, that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, she's, she's going to kind of, um, I wish she'd work Piaf Passage because I know how she does that at home. And I think she's super good at it. We talked, she talked something about that in the evening, um, which is that somebody had asked, do you teach Piaf Passage under saddle or do you teach it in long lines? And she was the one who really felt like I, that she really yes. teaches it in long lines because she is super, super good at long lines. And that's, you know, that's her comfort and that's the way she does it. And I've mm-hmm. seen her do it and she's really good. This other thing she did, I don't know if she did it this, at this event. I didn't, don't think I saw it, is she will have you post the passage and to some extent the piaf too. So she really thinks about piaf and passage as being trot and insists that you keep it as a trotting, you know, a sense of trotting in them. And by posting it, she gets their backs nice. And you know, I just think that works, you know, for a lot of horses that works super, super well. And, you know, she also, as you know, Charlotte is an FEI judge. Mm-hmm. And so she's very good at looking at things from a judge's perspective and did spend a fair amount of time talking about accuracy. Yes. And I like that. I like that she has a perspective that goes from, from training to riding to teaching, to judging. And I think that's incredibly valuable, both for the U.S., and I think it was valuable for the people watching, you know, mm-hmm. for the instructors watching this. Absolutely. I would agree. And our final instructor was Debbie McDonald. 
So tell us a little, little bit about what you saw from Debbie. Well, Debbie is obviously you know extraordinary and very, very soft in the way she does things too. Um, the thing that was interesting, she had, she had two people ride with her. Um, she had Kerrigan Gulch and Kerrigan actually normally rides with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And she had Chris Hickey, who, as far as I know, normally rides with himself. And, you know, wow. Again, this goes back to the choice of horses and riders for these things. It is a privilege to watch mm-hmm. Chris ride an amazing horse. It is a privilege to watch Kerrigan ride. These people ride, you know, better than, you know, most of us can dream of and are on horses that are better than most of us can dream of. The, the Debbie, I, I mean, let's talk about a little bit more about how, how Debbie worked with Kerrigan and then we'll talk about Chris. Uh, Kerrigan is on a very strong Andalusian stallion. And in that's in general, she rides and she rides for an mm-hmm. Andalusian farm, which farm. is amazing. I mean, amazing horses that she has, and they have, you know, just in general, they have amazing horses. And the and what Debbie was working on was how to take those horses from, yeah, that's pretty darn good to, wow. And others from essentially the seven to seven point five, which Kerrigan mm-hmm. just can clock in that the rest of us can't to. An eight, an 8.5, where's the nine, where's the higher than a nine? Mm-hmm. And that was lovely to watch. So they were working in a very detailed, tiny way on where you add expression and where you get a little more conservative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that I liked a lot. The other thing I liked is that and I ride lots of Andalusians, so I have this issue too, and I have and I you know, I watched and I have a couple of Grand Prix horses. You get to this point, especially with the Andalusians and the one who likes the ones who like Piaf, wherever you go, go to do a downward, you do them through half steps. Mm-hmm. And I think Debbie was good about not stopping that, but about saying, well, wait, wait, that's not the only way you should do it. The, right. the, yes, you should get them to sit, but me, but it doesn't need to be through Piaf or through half steps every time. It can be softer. It can be more direct as amazing as, you know, as this horse was. So I, I thought that was really good. I thought that was really good. Yep. And then, you know, I would say, I mean, to me, it was, you know, it's obviously lovely to watch Chris ride and he was riding this beautiful horse. Um, that was interesting too, because I would say it was less, it was more interesting to watch just as a gosh, isn't this beautiful to watch? Yes. And Debbie just made these little tiny detailed changes. It was I'm, I'm almost going to say, if I were the USDF people, I would not choose horses that were that good with riders who were that good. Because to some extent, Chris is, you know, Chris can teach himself, right? Chris is off doing what Chris does and making everything a little better and hitting the shoulder four before you could ever say, please, you should do a shoulder four here, right? Mm-hmm. And because it's, an, it's, a, it's a seminar to teach instructors to instruct, when you have a rider as good as he is, who's off doing their own thing, and it's a perfect thing. There's nothing to really say about the thing. It doesn't help me as much as a as an instructor. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So sure. That would be my. Um, that would hang on. That would be my kind of concept. Um, so I don't know. I mean, yeah. it, I just thought it was lovely, and I just thought. I mean, it was beautiful. They worked well together. The horse is spectacular. Chris is an amazing rider. I kind of want to see something that you can work on with the writer hasn't already figured out the problem before the instructor can say it. <laughs> well, and I think, I think that's Debbie's role, right? I mean, Debbie's the, the team coach. And it, it, by the time you get to be a team coach and, and Chris's horse that he was riding, to be perfectly honest is, you know, I mean, I'm sure that's what they're looking. The horse has done a few Grand Prix. So they're talking mm-hmm. about making that horse better. And I think yeah. that's sort of what Debbie's role is, is to come in and make horses better with their current riders. And I think that's what they showed us and that yes, was that's for sure. so cool to watch you know that was fun to say okay that's how we're putting the icing on the cake with this horse um right and and that was that was what debbie was doing and and i think you know as you sat there and and we sat there and we saw 
all four coaches, you saw why these people have the jobs that they have because each one of them was really good in their particular roles. So that was really cool to see. Yes, I agree. And the other thing that I liked about all of them and loved about Debbie is that, again, she found that moment to say reward. Yes. All of them. And you know, want you to pat your horse. All of them want you to walk and give a reward. You know, she said once to, I think to Chris, don't get greedy. That's enough steps. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And, and again, I totally get that because once you get into the PF, you're thinking, well, this is going very well until it isn't. And way better to, (laughs) to think this is going very well. I should get out of that now. Right, right, right. Which was really cool to see, you know. So um, I thought that that was all really fun to see and 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 amazing from that perspective. And uh, so I think it was just overall just a, a really cool way to see the instructors. And and I would I would absolutely yes. recommend if you have a chance to to go see them again. And I thought it was a really it was a great format this year that sort of kept your attention instead of one yes. instructor, you know, giving their whole philosophy, which can be interesting and cannot be. Phil and I specifically have been to some where you're like, oh my goodness, but that it was fantastic. So I think, I think our four coaches are, I mean, I think we have this amazing privilege right now mm-hmm. and, you know, and have, and, you know, Robert obviously just retired, but you know, when, the, when there were the five of them, also an amazing privilege I mean, yeah. to have this group of Americans who are incredibly dedicated to a system that is totally about excellence, but also totally about a happy horse. Right. Well, Patty, thank you so much for coming on and summarizing the USEF slash USDF FEI Trainers Conference. It was a really good one this year, and it was fun to have uh, your company. So, Patty, could you give us your contact information about your farm? And I will say, Patty's got some fantastic sales horses for sale right now, so she's a great one to touch base with. So, <laughs> so thank you for the plug. No problem. So I'm, in, <laughs> I'm in California. I'm just north of Los Angeles. and. The, my email is baileywickhouse at gmail.com, which I will spell B-A-I-L-I-W-I-C-K-H-O-U-S-E at gmail.com. And, and I do have some lovely horses for sale at the moment. So there you go. Fantastic. Thanks, Patty, for coming on the show. You're an old pro now. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, bye now. Well, that was a fun interview with Patty Mayer. Great to always have her on the show. And right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with Nicole Harrington, FEI trainer. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Tonight, it is our pleasure to have Nicole Harrington, uh, the owner and rider of Harrington Dressage in Batavia, Ohio. She's an FEI rider and trainer and also a friend of mine. Nicole, welcome to the show. Hi. We're so happy to have you because we have been asked a listener question. And as everybody on the show knows, we try, if we don't have the answer to the particular questions we get, we get the expert that knows. And one of the questions that I shout out to Olivia, I saw Olivia at the trainers conference and she has a Lusitano and she asked me if we could uh, find a trainer that is specializes and, and, or has a lot of experiences with Lusitanos and Andalusians on some challenges 
problems that you face with that particular breed. And Nicole just rode down here on PRE night, and I thought she'd be the perfect person. So, Nicole, can you start us off and just some challenges you have with training this particular breed of horses? Yeah, absolutely. They're wonderful horses, um, you know, really good for amateurs. They're a little easier to sit at times. But they can be a little bit tricky um, to get through their backs and to really get them to work from behind. Um, they tend to want to keep their neck in, uh, in a high position, and it a lot of times tends to block them through the back. Um, so that's where they can kind of be tricky. Um, you kind of have to lower their necks a little bit more than normal and um, just really get them to stretch out to the bit so they really start to loosen up their back and work their hind legs. Yeah, and, and I, I love that analogy. I mean, they really are, a lot of amateurs pick this particular breed. Um, so what would you say sort of, you know, you did say easy to sit and that type of thing, but what are, what are some other really good traits about this breed uh, that you found with training them? Yeah, they really have a wonderful temperament, and they tend to really bond with their person. Um, and, and that's, again, why um, a lot of amateurs love them, because they, they look for that attention from that person, um, and they really will give you their all when you create a bond with them. They're truly wonderful horses that way. But, you know, they're also being bred, but they have some really nice gates and can competitive professional open horses now. Yeah, fantastic. I was going to ask you today, I was really looking forward to having you on because I'm involved in coaching uh, a PRE. And I think in general, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and with the ones I've experienced is that they have a little bit of a tougher time learning to lengthen their strides. For somebody who wants to, you know, yeah. show show one of these horses uh, and train their own to first level and beyond, what what are some ideas, exercises and things that can really help to, to teach th- these horses to to do that, to lengthen their strides and, and not just get faster and more choppy in their trot? Um, the, the, the biggest trickiness with them, again, is to get them through their back. Um, because if you don't get them like a little bit lower in the front, really get them to release through that neck and that back, they will kind of get shorter and quicker in the front end when you ask them to lengthen their stride. Um, as you get the back more and, and really get their hind legs, um, that's when they'll start to actually open up their shoulder and take that longer stride versus getting shorter and quicker. Fantastic. And so, again, you know, they're known for Piaf and Passage. So tell us some, mm-hmm. you know, tricks of the trade there to, to use, mm-hmm. utilize that. My young horses, I, I start them and the Piaf and Passage when they're really young, um, when they're about four or five years old in hand. Um, because also the passage on these horses will help you um, create your collected trot that they might not naturally have the cadence, you know, that a warm blood has. And then also this sitting in the piaf helps them teach them to use their hind legs for your extended work, like your extended trot and gait. Fantastic. So you do teach them early. You kind of utilize that yes. skill in, in training them. I utilize that what they're good at to help kind of fix the weaknesses in them. Sure, sure. And, and that makes sense. I also I have, I have a PRE that I train, and um, it's been amazing. Now that he's strong enough to really get use the half steps, so, yeah, I wouldn't even call it piaf yet, but the, the idea of the half steps it has made all the difference with because it has. It's actually strengthened his back, and with the yep. ability to sort of hold himself up and pick his abs up and put his hind legs under, it has helped his extensions. They, they are a yep. lot more, they are a lot more expressive and made a big difference for him as we've gone through the training. And, and what about the flying changes? I mean, have you found them to be kind of trickier? Cause you, you also train warm bloods, you train all types of horses. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found the changes to sure. be a particular challenge? The, the changes can, again, be a little bit tricky when you first start them on these horses. They'll want to get a little bit quicker in the front um, and, and sometimes not use the hind legs, which makes them a tendency to be late behind. Um, so, again, getting them loose in the neck and loose in the back and really teaching them to start from the hind leg and always think from the hind leg will we'll fix that problem. And, and then once you, once you get over that hump, they can have really super nice changes and usually can go all the way to Grand Prix since the Piaf and Passage is not hard for them. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe you can give us the exercise, which, you know, everybody has a little bit of a personal way to teach flying changes. Um, how, how do you do it? 
you coming across the diagonal, have, for instance, or yeah, give us your exercises. On the the PREs, I actually have a. I like to put them on a twenty meter circle, um, and a lot of times I'll change um, true canter to counter canter with them on the twenty meter circle because I, I can almost teach them to be a little bit early behind. It teaches them to to think more from the hind leg and not just want to jump from the front. But it kind of depends. It's a really a horse by horse basis. But with the PREs, I do a lot on the 20-meter circle. And then once the changes are confirmed, I'll start on the diagonal or on the long side. And I think lastly, is there is there anything in the lateral work in which you pay particular attention to or watch out for? The, the lateral work is usually something that's pretty easy for them. If they're super short in the back, sometimes bending in the half passes is a little harder. But I do a lot with leg yielding across the diagonal and uh, turn on the forehand, uh, which really helps to loosen up their hips and to keep them moving left and right off my legs. Yeah, and that helps, that helps them tremendously because again, they want to hold that tension there behind the saddle through their backs. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of been, you know, I think Philip and I could, could for sure um, kind of echo that. You know, th- these horses, the tension that they have in their backs and their necks is, is a bit different than a warm blood. Yeah. And so, you know, you do have to let the steam out of the pot sometimes with these horses. If you sort of bottle them up, this is my, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not incredibly experienced, but I have trained one now quite for four or five years. And that's a big thing. And you can feel him. When he is tight in his back, you know, you're not getting very far. <laughs> you know, you got to let no. the tension out and then then you can go from there. So that's definitely been been something that has been different. But, you know, they are wonderful horses. I think Philip and I would, would second that and, and have been fun to, to figure out different ways. Not that, that they're training differently than warm bloods, but there are some things that you can highlight maybe differently and, and that kind of thing. And, and they're quite fun. In my experience, too, like... They're, they are a little slightly different than the warm blood because with these guys too, actually slowing them down just a little bit in the gates helps them to get a little quicker behind. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, you know, sometimes with warm blood, you'll want to ride them a little more forward. You make them a little more quick. But these guys actually slowing them down, they, they tend to create more cadence and actually get a little quicker behind. And that's when you can really get their backs too to relax more. By yeah. just taking just a little bit off of them. Yeah, no, that makes sense because they get going really quickly and then the legs are everywhere and you're like, oh gosh, slow down. (laughs) So that makes, that makes sense. Slowing the feet a little bit. Uh, And we always say slow feet thinking mind. So it makes, it makes sense. Well, yeah. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on and, and giving us some insight for Olivia and answering her question. Uh, how can our listeners find um, more information about you online? Uh, my website is uh, harringtondressage.com and um, also on Facebook under Harrington Dressage as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much. And we look forward to seeing you in the Grand Prix ring with your, with your big boy soon. Thanks. Well, Phil, we have an awesome Total Saddle Fit tip of the week coming up, but I got my new stirrups from Justin. I'm so oh, much for leathers. You get, them, you get them quicker in America. Than, I do. Uh, I get them much quicker than you. <laughs> here, but I I'm did. Sure mine are on my way. They are on the way. Justin's so fantastic about um, helping us get what we need. And these stirrup leathers are really cool. They're a little bit ro- wider. So, Phil, you can give us the description, and I'll tell you my feel after you yeah, after you tell us. Okay. This wide body design brings an incredible stability to your leg. It also makes a smoother transition from the flap to your leg and back again so that you don't feel like you're riding with a, a thick leather under your leg. And the portion that of the leather that wraps around the stirrup bar are thick thin calfskin wrapped in webbing to make minimal bulk under your leg. They are guaranteed to improve your ride or they're going to pay shipping both ways. So that's a fantastic thing about the Total Saddle Fit products is like, if you don't like them, they're going to take them back, give you your money, and then a little bit more on top to pay for the shipping. Yeah. Nothing to lose. Yeah. And Justin at totalsaddlefit.com is great. But I will tell you, so I wrote in them for the first time today. And my first general impression I love them. I really, really love them. They were fantastic. My leg was absolutely quieter in the stirrups than they were than they were in my regular ones. So I rode um, Mikey, follow me, 
in the stirrups. And then I went and rode Elon Court and his regular stirrups, like regular, I didn't switch the stirrups. And I will tell you, my leg was much quieter um, on my first horse. And I was really impressed, actually. I thought, oh, I may have to move these to both stirrups, actually, to both <laughs> saddles, because they have different saddles. And um, I was really impressed. General impression uh, from today, literally just got off and, and just got home here to do the show, but really impressed, actually, on them. So we'll keep you in the saga of, of the newest stirrup leathers, but two thumbs up so far. Really excited about that. So that awesome. was cool. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, as promised, last week we started the pyramid of training. This was actually a listener question, and it's it's actually a pretty long topic, so we broke it into two we different weeks. We split it into two, mm-hmm. yeah. To two tri- tips, because the pyramid of training obviously is sort of our roadmap to training the horses. So if you missed uh, the discussion of rhythm, suppleness, and connection and contact, we discussed that last week and a little bit about what they changed on the pyramid of training because it just there was an update that came out. So it was a great listener question, and, and as always, we love them. So we're going to kind of start midway and, and again go back and listen to last week's if you need the first part. But we're going to start with impulsion, and the pyramid says engagement and the desire to go forward. So that is actually a little bit different wording that was before. So engagement is the term is used to describe the transmission of an eager, energetic, and controlled thrust generated from the hindquarters into an athletic movement of the horse. So Phil, do you want to jump in Yeah, I always think about this step as being kind of a a push power thing. It it takes a while to develop this and, and all the exercises that you're doing with your horse to, you know, to complete the, the, um, the training tests, you know, all the way up through fourth, all the way to Grand Prix, basically third level, fourth level Grand Prix, St. George uh, is, is developing impulsion. So there's not one specific exercise that you should be thinking about impulsion. You should be thinking about it throughout your whole ride, through your whole training of the horse to develop their push power and their hind hind end muscles and and looking at the hind leg when when you're watching videos of yourself ride you want to see more articulation in the joints of the hind leg to be able to know, know that this is working you know generating more uh, air time you know these are the words that i think of when, when i'm thinking of uh, impulsion yeah, no, I think it's great. And I mean, I do like in the desire to go forward because we talk a lot about horses being in front of the leg and engagement. And I think that that idea of the desire to go forward sort of does sum up impulsion a little bit better. Yeah, so, but you got you to pay attention that you're, you're not running forward or, or right. you know, making a quicker tempo. You know, this is, uh, you know, in the German word, they use the word schwung. Which is sort of describes the idea that you're you're swinging along and not not a faster way. A lot of people are trying to generate impulsion, but but the horses very easily will get very fast and and more on the on the forehand. And this is not what you want to be envisioning when, when you're when you're training and when you're riding. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, fantastic. Well, so the next one is straightness, improved alignment, and equal lateral suppleness on both reins. So again, the language has changed a little bit, but so again, improved alignment and equal comma lateral suppleness on both reins. So the horse is said to be straight when the footfall of the forehand and the hindquarters are appropriately aligned on straight and curved lines when his longitudinal axis is in line with the straight or curved track on which he is ridden. So I think that that also sums that up a little bit. I think straightness is, you know, again, you have to think of the horse's body and how horses are connected and how horses travel for, because um, it used to say improve, the improved alignment, right? Because horses want to travel, horses are wider behind than they are in front. So obviously they want to travel a little bit wider behind. So again, the alignment, I think, is a really helpful visual for that. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, I mean, I think all of your lateral work is, is directed towards being able to make the horse straight. And by that, I mean that 
if you can put the shoulder to the inside and keep keep the hind leg along the wall, then you're you're able to use that exercise to get a desired type of alignment. And when you want to, you know, bring the hind leg in and leave the shoulder on the track, you're working on really being able to decide where the horse should be and then putting them putting them there. So they have to be, you know, really supple to be able to do that. And then now you're using these lateral tools to to make the horse straight. And so what we see a lot is horses that are really good at shoulder in one way and really good at travair the other way. So you've got to be working your horse and, and using exercises to make them equally good at shoulder in on both sides and equally good at travair on both sides. Mm-hmm. Then you have you have the beginnings to be able to add impulsion through the proper alignment or through a desired alignment. Every horse is a little bit different and like they like to travel just slightly travair to one way. And so you've got to make them make them straighter, add impulsion, and now you can create the last step, the top of the pyramid, collection. Right. This is what it's all about. So collection, balance and lightness of the forehand from increased engagement. Yeah. Right. So I so- think this this is all about just sort of like being aware of where the horse's footfalls are mm-hmm. and changing it if it does need changing and then adding energy to be able to create more a more beautiful gait, whether it's walk, trot, or canter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the name of the game, to to use exercises and to be able to use knowledge and and all of the great dressage stuff. The, the point, the pinnacle here, collection, is like your horse is going to become more beautiful and more, um, you know, we talk about being on the aids, more, more easily being able to move the horse's next footfall by centimeters. Or inches, right. if, depending what country. You're yeah, in. depending on what country. <laughs> <laughs> but being just really, you know, being really aware and really in control, and having that horse as, you know, your very willing, very strong, powerful, supple partner. Mm-hmm. Well, and in, you know, really, when you start talking about collection, if all of the pyramid of training, right? If all those steps happen, you know, shifting the horse onto the hind legs should theoretically have already happened, right? And the horse should already be able to have cadence steps, shorter, more powerful steps with elevation, which is in result of the the lowering of the hindquarters. This should already be kind of going on. Um, so I think that's part of this, if that makes sense. You should be able to already Yeah, I think, I mean, like we talk about, um, you know, third level being the introduction of all of these things, mm-hmm. right? And then once you achieve that, then you have to kind of, to get to fourth level, you have to start at the beginning again and making sure everything's good, everything's good, and everything, you know, each step is being created, um, you know, and then you can achieve fourth level. Then you go back to the beginning and, you know, try and break it down and try and find the holes and trying to figure it out. And then, you know, you're adding movements at the same time. So when you get into Pre-St. George, fourth level Pre-St. George, you're saying, okay, I want to be able to do a pirouette, which is kind of a small circle. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I have every one of these steps within my pirouette? Do I have every one of these steps during my half pass? And if you don't, then you've got to, you know, develop um, your half pass better by looking at what's missing and, and, developing through that problem or past that problem so you know you go to the top and you come back down and you you say okay do i have all this and then you go to the top you know like it's not a fixed thing like okay i got rhythm i got relaxation and and then i just you know and then all of a sudden i'm a grand prix horse or you've developed a grand prix horse you know it's just like these are the ingredients that you have to bring to all of your exercises to all of the movements you want to show in a uh in a test You've got to make sure all those ingredients are there and in the right proportion and, and, and all of those things. So it's it's a great guideline, but you're never done going back to looking at the beginning again or, or trying to find where the holes are. Right. And, you know, but every day, right, even if you're riding a Grand Prix horse, every day you have to put the ingredients back in the bowl. That makes sense, right, with that analogy, right? It has to, you have to do it every day. And, and you may be able to say, okay, rhythm, suppleness, and contact, I can get in two sec, you know, three rounds of trot. Does that make sense? Like you have, Yeah, but it's, it's always got to be better. 
It's always got to be better. There's never, you know, a 10 of relaxation combined with a 10 of rhythm. And a lot of times I I find that like as I'm adding impulsion, the relaxation gets, you know, gets less or or the rhythm gets, you know, problematic. And so you've got to say, okay, I'm not going to I'm not going to be satisfied that I have a lot of impulsion, but I don't have relaxation. That doesn't work. Right. And so a lot of times when you go back and read um, a test that you've gotten back from from a judge and you, you take a look at what they're you know what they're saying, they'll give you the the idea that you need more impulsion. That doesn't mean you, you need less rhythm or less relaxation. That's right. that's the trouble of this whole thing is that, you know, you fix one thing and another problem will pop up, will crop up, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you need somebody on the ground and you need, you know, the judges, they help us in training by sh- by telling us. You don't have enough straightness. You don't have enough, you know. So then you go home, you work on straightness, and then you go to next time that you get the same score again because you didn't, you didn't also improve your relaxation. You know, right. that's what makes it so hard. Well, and the other thing is um, when you start looking at um, not just that, but you know that if when you look at the sides of the pyramid on the left hand side, physical development through progressive conditioning, and that's exactly what you're talking about, right? You're developing your horses as you go along through this conditioning ability, right? And then the right-hand side says increase throughness and obedience. And I will say, you know, it's constant. You're constantly trying to increase throughness. You're constantly trying to increase obedience. So those are all things that you have to continually do. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that's why it's a sport. <laughs> you know, it yeah. doesn't just magically happen, you know, or, you know, your horse may be a little bit tight, you know, and you have to go back and you've got to work on suppleness for the day. Or you may say, okay, it's Monday and I'm, I'm going to really work on general obedience or I'm going to work on general throughness, right? Well, and you go back to working on, you know, elasticity with freedom of anxiety, that's suppleness. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a constant. That's why it's a living, breathing pyramid, right? The tool that we are constantly using, but it gives us an ability to sort of figure out like if your Grand Prix horse is stiff, you know, where do you go? Or, or maybe they don't want to be as, have, have as much impulsion or have as much straightness. It gives you a place to go back and, and work with it. That's why it is what it is kind of thing. But as yeah, always, I, Phil, I mean, it's, it's great it's, to have yeah. the guideline there, right? right? To say, okay, you know, uh, here, here's, the idea about it but you know as a rider i'm constantly learning like i thought like oh this horse was really really through last year and then the next yeah. year i'm like that horse was not through at all right now he's more through right <laughs> and then it. you go next year you're like no that wasn't through at all like it's, it's i think that's really fun is because yeah. you, you think that you had great connection and impulsion and and as you constantly learn and and you know through different you know, with coaching, with watching videos, with you know all this stuff, you're you're like always discovering how it can be better, and and that's what, you know really yeah. like that. It's true. Never done, never done training. Never that's, done. It's never yeah. done. <laughs> never done training. Exactly. Well, as always, everybody, we love your email and Facebook shoutouts, and uh, we encourage you to look at this pyramid of training uh, online. It's everywhere, and USDF actually has a great poster that I have hanging in my arena, and actually I'm going to get a need to get an updated poster, um, but that it's a great thing to have in your arena or, or put somewhere under tack trunk or somewhere where you're constantly looking at it. But as always, we love those emails and Facebook shoutouts. Keep them coming. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. Again, that's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is probably on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. As always, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we look forward to talking with you next week.